I'm Kurt. And I'm Tracy. And this is the MFG Cast. everybody we have a special guest on today's episode it's someone that you'll have to guess our guest enjoys peanut butter whiskey wearing bow ties and is a bird dad welcome ian zang ah you've done your research (laughs) we have we have i am a proud bird dad but bird the bird is kind of a, a butt so we're we're, <laughs> we're getting to know each other again it, it's been a while oh. I got him in middle school and it's been I, I was you know you know colleging and apartment living so I couldn't have a pet for the longest time and finally I moved in my own house and I got my bird back and he's like who are you <laughs> you don't have they, any hair what's going on that. yeah <laughs> I mean he's an African gray so it's I mean he's what 20 27 now wow. so yeah i mean they they have the lifespan of a human so he'll be he'll be with me for a very long time and it's just nice to have him back and he's he's definitely acclimating back to life with zhang or uh, well my my wife's last name is hemker her well shelby hemker ian zhang and so our initials are literally the shiz and so <laughs> it's the 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 shiz house that's that's what we're awesome nice it's it's dorky but when we signed for our first apartment we were like oh my god (laughs) well that's just gonna be a thing from now on (laughs) awesome awesome well thanks for joining us that's that's the name you should have on your like welcome to your you know when you actually have people to play games like that should be the welcome to the shiz family i mean come on you assume that that's not already a thing. Okay, I know. I, oh. I don't see it, so I just, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I have I have a nice big, like, cartoon version of us with the shiz established in nice. uh, 2015. We got married in 15. 15, yes. Five years already. Can't believe it. Wait, oh no. It's 2021. Almost six years. <laughs> yeah. What, you what forgot that 2020, 2020 was an actual year and not... Yeah. Yeah, it existed somewhere yeah, in I there. Know, I, I know, just... right? We'll all we'll all forget it. It's a bore. Every, everyone's gonna be like, "Oh yeah, I'm 23 years old." I mean, wait a minute, I'm 24 because I forgot a whole year was awful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll just we'll just like hindsight is 2020 is like we didn't know how viable that phrase really. Yeah, would be. no kidding. Yeah, <laughs> now that phrase is gonna be live in infamy forever. Yeah, it already was. Now it's extra. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So you may know Ian a little bit more from designing board games and developing board games and being a co-host of 
Wow, I am blanking. Breaking into board games. Wow. I'm sorry. It's been it's, it's been late. a long day. It's late. I I'm trying to ca- I'm trying to cut caffeine. I didn't have a, a soda today, and I have a huge headache, so I apologize. It, it's the 2020 hangover. It is. <laughs> That's what we've it been is. feeling it all January. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we always like to ask this question. I think everybody always asks the question, but we like to specify it a little bit more. And like, how did you get into the hobby of board gaming? Not just like. Oh, I play you know, when I was five. My grandma played Monopoly with me. Like, how did you get into the the crunchiness of the actual, you know, like the hardcore board gaming? Well, so I mean, to begin with, my mom was always a first adopter of a lot of things. We have a first edition version of Harry Potter. Like, she got it. She actually had to special order the book. It was like that early, <laughs> and so like we got a lot of really unique games that. Uh, we're not normally in circulation. She found some really obscure things. That's, I mean, my mom is just the master of obscureness. It's like, <laughs> I, I love her dearly. She's amazing. Uh, but like Rumus, which is now block is 3d. Uh, we had labyrinth, the amazing labyrinth from Ravensburger. Like this is before Ravensburger was like really doing much in the U S. <laughs> uh, so like I grew up playing a, like German games pretty frequently and coming up with my own rules because some of them were like, sorry, I hated sorry. So I came up with the rule that you get to draw three and pick one. There you go. Or you can like, I came up with house rules because it was fun because it made the game actually playable. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, in college, I started playing some more, uh, well, high school, I I played Magic the Gathering a lot with my friends because they they were Magic the Gathering folk. And I got to college and I played, I still played a little bit of magic, but it wasn't a lot, but then people started bringing out the resistance and we played Battlestar Galactica like every weekend. Uh, that's one of the crown jewels of my collection. Now I have all of Battlestar Galactica. It's, it's, I don't get to play it anymore, but <laughs> I have it. <laughs> uh, so we played a lot of that, but then it was really uh, after I started teaching that it really, that my eyes were truly opened to the world of board gaming as a, as a, you know, grand scheme of things. Because one of my co-teachers ran the board game club and he, he is board game geek. Like he, he was, he's one of us, like it's well and truly. (laughs) And he introduced me to a lot of cool games. And I then just kind of hit the ground running with that. I saw the value of playing games with kids uh, the school I worked in had individual education plan rate of above 60%. I think it was like something like 80, actually. It was close to 80. Uh, so almost every student was uh, either high anxiety or had other educational uh, accommodations for themselves just because they liked the small class sizes that we had and that sort of thing. Uh, we have a lot of kids on the spectrum, but I have... I didn't see as much growth in the kids as much as when they were playing board games, Uh, especially social deduction games like Resistance and Avalon. The social contract of saying, we will lie to you, all of a sudden was like, oh, okay, well, I should look out for lying. Mm -hmm. 
And so it gave them the context with which to actually approach social situations. And I saw massive growth in these kids that probably wouldn't have happened in just without this, this little guidance. And so I started exploring that more and more and got really into that, that game design element of like, how can I create these experiences for kids so that they can better understand the world? And so that exploded my mind into like 18 billion different directions. But then I started designing games for just myself because it was fun. And uh, eventually I found good things to publish. I, I started working in the industry. I worked with Plat Hat Games doing the playtesting for Ashes. That was like my first big introduction to the, to the like industry as a whole. And I love volunteering at, at conventions. I love demoing things. I love hanging out, talking board games with people. It's just like fun for me. Like I, I can't shut up <laughs> much to the chagrin <laughs> of everyone around me, but <laughs> I, it's, that was my first entry. And then at a certain point I was like, I should be getting paid for the amount of work that I'm doing. <laughs> and I said, Hey, can I get paid for the amount of work that I'm doing? And they were like, yeah, sure. Let's do it. And so I started getting paid to be a developer. I wrote rule books. I edited rule books. I just got involved in every, any and every way that I could because I love the industry. I love the people. It's one of the only industries where like, everyone is truly trying to help one another. Like we're not trying to compete with like the next big game. Like that's not how the industry works. It's like, oh, hey, that's a really good game. It's not going to fit in my line, but you should definitely go talk to him over there because that's awesome. Oh, you need a graphic designer? I so totally recommend this person that I use. It's awesome. They're awesome and you should definitely use them. It's like, <laughs> that wouldn't happen in like the insurance business. Like, <laughs> no, this graphic designer is ours. I'm going to hoard them until the end of the world. <laughs> also, non-compete clauses. It's like, no, no, go work. Have fun. <laughs> yeah. Make yeah. better games. And yeah. so it's it's a very collaborative industry that I really, really like. It's that, that element of assumption of positivity. There's just that nature of positivity that, that just breeds out of it. Because like we all, we all got into it because we love games. And to play board games, you kind of need to want to hang out with more people and be friends and so it there's just this positive feedback loop of just great times begetting great times and like that's been the history of my entry into the hobby so to speak so it's, it's been a lot of fun getting to know everyone and making games yeah it's awesome so are you, is this now your full-time thing? Or are you splitting it between, are you still teaching? So I actually stopped teaching in 2014 uh, when I moved to Pittsburgh. I went to Pittsburgh with my wife as she was getting her PhD. Uh, we were there for five and a half years. And I did not want to get into the teaching scene there. Um, it, actually, it was really hard. Like I, I looked and there wasn't much and it really came down to, you really need to know someone uh, to be able to get a, jo a teaching job in the Pittsburgh region. It's, it's tough. You need to have the experience. You need to at least know someone. And I didn't know anyone. I literally went there with no one, knowing no one. That was, that was the problem. But the science center there, 
had some jobs open. So I applied for some of them. I got a job doing some after-school STEM activities with some uh, low-income students, which was really awesome. And I really enjoyed that. But then I got more into it and I started doing professional development with them for teachers and other professionals. So I ran a whole, I helped run a program where which paired an actual astronomer with a teacher and they co-designed a lesson together and then taught it to the students and wow. so the teachers got the real world experience from the astronomers and the astronomers got actual teaching experience from the teachers and so it was a mutually beneficial group and i just like this is this is awesome and i want to do more of this and so together with my uh, colleague then eventually becoming boss we developed a whole series of workshops specifically around how to improve STEM in schools. And we had this whole crazy uh, strategic planning tool that we used uh, to help schools really improve STEM education as a whole, uh, holistically, rather than just like, here, we're doing STEM, we're doing STEM now, it's going to be good. We're going to put a bunch of 3D printers over here. We're going to put a bunch of uh, laser cutters over here. Okay, we're STEM now. No, no, that's not what this is. (laughs) No, you, you need to have more inquiry-based education, you need the project-based learning. And part of that was I did a lot of board game design workshops because it's a great way to introduce STEM to teachers because it's the perfect activity for STEM-based learning because you have to, if you're designing a game, you have to approach it from a problem-solving perspective. It's integrated. You need to have some graphic design, even if it's just like putting pen to paper, like you need to be able to graphically represent what's going on. You need to be able to ask the right questions to see where things go. It provides career awareness because you know what? There are board game designers out there that are actually making money doing this. So it's a, it's a holistic STEM experience all bundled into one little package. And so I did professional development for the past five years. Uh, and then when we moved back to Michigan, I got a job at, briefly in the construction department at Michigan State Department, uh, but I got furloughed because, you know, COVID and uh, just canceled pretty much all construction projects. Mm. And now I'm doing, a, I'm a senior trainer at Dealer On, which is a dealership website. So I, I, I do everything. <laughs> it's all over the place. I was going to say that. I was like, holy smokes, your it, resume must be like, hey, can I see your resume? Sure. Do you have like three hours? Yes. It, it's, you Here know, that it old, is. Like, cartoon, it's like that old scroll and then you just unroll it and just unfurls. Yeah, further exactly. Further. Yeah, it starts it's, rolling it's, down like the red carpet. Yep. Yeah, that's pretty much me. It's, I'm the STEM poster child. I just do a dabble in everything and see what I like, <laughs> but not by choice. It's literally like I have to move or like, oh, I got furloughed. Oh, let's find something new <laughs> and also i you know i started my own board game business now so i have i have my own publisher i publish my own game i have my, my own game behind me here i don't know if this is an actual video is, is, is this recording is. video we can see it yes okay well, so, well no we're we not can see it but we're not yeah we're not uh, sorry okay yeah. so yeah no, behind me listeners will not be here it, 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 listeners if you can just uh it, I hear me describe this game. It's a please fix the teleporter. It's uh, two aliens being scrambled up together and you have to unscramble them. That's that's the game. Uh, but I founded Gravitation Games with Aaron Wilson uh, last year sometime. I don't know. It's 2020. Uh, so <laughs> we we've formed it with the idea that it is we want to make games that pull people in and are very, very low barrier to entry so that it increases the accessibility of 
new gamers into the hobby. I want people to be like, hey, what are they playing over there? Hmm, that looks cool. I know how to play now. Let's play. And like, you can just learn it by watching and it just, you can jump right in. And it's either they're really quick games or you can kind of drop out, drop it back in. I mean, if you think apples to apples, because like apples to apples, do you really need to score? Oh no, here, here, sit in my place. Just play, play for me. Like that's, that's the kind of game that I'm looking for because we need more of them. There's not enough in the hobby market that, that are doing this sort of thing where it's like so simple that you can literally look like, Oh, there it is done. Okay. Got it. So that's the whole onus of the company. And uh, I'm still doing other designs that are not going to be in this uh, little company because I still have ideas of other things. I mean, uh, again, if you are looking behind me, uh, Tracy and Kurt can see behind me, but sorry, listeners, you can't, I have a little like shelf of all of the games that I've like worked on and none of them are the same. (laughs) I have like this light little cute, please fix the teleporter. Then I have like a heavy duty escape room game. And then I have like a light family uh, Euro that is there and then like a heavier Euro. And so I don't stick in one thing, like in one in one lane. I I, I go where I I feel like. <laughs> it's you know how like Vlada Kavadal has like code names, which is a pretty good like word association games, and then Mage Knight. It's just like what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can't then, really put them in a box. It's kind of like, the box is not there. Exactly. Well, it, it's just he designs what he feels like designing at that moment. Like, I feel like a light game now. Okay, cool. I feel like a heavy game now. Okay, well, there we go. And so, like, right now, it's been, like, lighter fare, and I've been having a lot of fun with that. But uh, right now, if you're listening to this, uh, Kingdoms of the Deep is on Kickstarter right now with uh, Galactic Raptor Games. They uh, That game was actually a uh, game design challenge game. One of my friends put forth a 75 minute game design challenge and I had to take two mechanics and two themes and smash them together and see what came out of it. And that's what came out of kingdoms of the deep Uh, almost fully formed for the most part. It was with, it's been developed over the past two years pretty extensively, but I, I have the actual video of me like designing it and going through the whole process of it. It was really fun. Uh, and it was just, it, that was not something I was expecting to design, but because of this challenge, I, I went through it and it was a lot of fun because it provided constraints. It let me explore the creativity of design that is a little bit outside of my comfort zone. And it, a pretty darn good game came out of it. So I'm, I'm really excited for people to get their hands on it. And it is so close to funding right now. So <laughs> I, I would love it to have people go and, and show it some love. It's, it's a simultaneous action selection game uh, where everyone has the same six cards in their hand and you all simultaneously choose one and then flip it and then things resolve. And you get that solo bonus kind of like in Broom Service. I have not played Broom Service to this day, but what? I know it's just not a game that I've managed to get to the table. But I heard about like, ooh, like you can do it brave or you can do it cowardly. I'm like, well okay, I kind of like that idea. But what if it's just like, if you do it by yourself, you get a bonus. 
great, done. And that's what it was. And so if you do any action by yourself, you get a small bonus to the action. It makes you feel good. It's not a ton, but it's like, ooh, I get to put out one more thing. Yay. <laughs> it's it just, it's exciting when you're, you're all like staring each other down like Clint Eastwood in uh, dirty in, uh, what is it? Good, bad, the ugly. It's just like, what did you do? Did you upgrade? I don't know. Did you deploy? You deployed it. Oh no. And you reveal, it's just like, yes, I did it by myself. <laughs> It, it doesn't mean much in the grand scheme of things, but it feels so good and it happens every round. So it's just, it's just great. And then watching people resolve things and it's just like, oh no, no, you can't do that. I was going to do this. It's like, well, you, it's my turn first this round. <laughs> it's, it's great to see the interactions between players and how, how they work. And I just love the idea of having a very thin hand and upgrading it through uh, other means and so one of the cards is upgrade and you actually have a player board that rep uh, that has spots on it that represent each of the actions in your hand and so when you play the upgrade card you literally get to upgrade one of the actions on your board and so every player slightly diverges in their path of what they're particularly good at over the course of the game and so it's it makes for some really interesting combinations where so there's a shark in the game that is a neutral it's, it's like a neutral shark and any player can play their shark card and then take control of that shark and start eating things. And just that little element of like, if you get really good at the shark, you can literally become a terror and just like eat up everyone and just kind of be like, okay, now with my one movement, I could just move in here and take it over. <laughs> and so it's, there's just a variety of strategies that I've seen people uh, try out and, and test out and see what works. And what's really cool is that some, every single game, someone's been like, ah, oh, this action is way overpowered. Ah, oh, this action's way overpowered. Ah, oh, this action's way overpowered. And every time it's been different. <laughs> it's been like, it's, it, it's been so interesting to watch the evolution of this game because if one action in particular is overpowered, it means that someone was allowed to just solo that forever. And so it, it's, <sighs> The emergent strategies of it just make me so excited to see what what <laughs> happens when people get their hands on it. I'm I'm getting really excited now. <laughs> so, who wins? Like how how does the game end? So there's uh, one of the cards in, in your hand is reset. At uh, during any round, at, if at least one player plays the reset card, it moves a turn tracker up one space. And every three times that happens, there's a scoring round. And every era, there's slightly different scoring mechanics. So like in one round, the coral reefs might be worth five points to whoever has the most units on the coral reefs. And then second place gets three. And then, but there's also a scoring mechanic that says like, if you have done this, you get this many points. So if you've upgraded your deploy action by two times, you get five points like that. Um, so it provides you with guidance about what will get you points, but also lets you kind of go wild because uh, it's a hexagonal board, kind of like Catan. Uh, and on the outside ring, there are six capitals. And every capital, whoever has control of it during a scoring round, scores two points. And so it's it's point scoring from there. So everything scores points based on various things. But the capitals always score two points apiece. So there's 12 points up for grabs throughout the entire game. Uh, well, 12 times three. So that's 36 points strictly from capitals. And ties in this game are hyper-friendly meaning that if multiple people are tied, it's fully tied. So they all get the points fully. 
And what's really cool is that if one player controls all six of the capitals during a scoring round, they win the game immediately. So it doesn't matter how many points you have. If you are at zero points because you've been just trying the strategy out, you can win from behind. Because that's one thing, like the when you're tracking points in a game and you can see that one player is just taking a huge lead and it's like overwhelming like to be able to catch up to them. And there's like someone behind is just like, ah, I'm not going to be able to like catch up at this point. They still can win regardless of points. And that's my mitigating factor. Other games do it differently, but like the stress of everyone watching out and if you play cleverly, you can do it, which is really cool. You don't need to have majority. You just need to be tied for majority. And if you can kind of sneak it out right at the end, it feels so good. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, I, li- it, I like it's that really too. I, I feel like you know, there's a lot of games where like once you lose a lead, you're kind of like, well, why am I even playing this game? <laughs> so it's, right. it's nice to have that option. It's it's very satisfying. I pulled it off twice in playtesting, and every time, both times, it was just like people were like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> no!" Did they did they flip the table? I, I it was it was pretty close, but like it it was a it's just an amazing thing to pull off. It's so it's really difficult to do, but if you can sneak it, just like. Like everyone's paying attention to this thing. Well, I'm just gonna go over here and just kind of do these things over here. It's just gonna be fine. Don't pay no attention to me. I'm I'm at the lowest points. I'm just taking some capital so I can try to catch up my points. That's exactly what's going on. <laughs> but what's really fun is that many of the uh, quite a few of the advanced goal cards make it so that people don't want to be on the capitals, <laughs> and so. It makes it actually so people who are scoring more points are less likely to be on capitals, which is really weird, but it works. <laughs> like there's there's a whole goal that is have the least units on a capital, 10 points. <laughs> it's just it's a lot of points, especially in a high scoring, uh, like a high high player count game. Having no it's pretty easy to have no units on a capital. It, it, it's fairly easy to do that. Like you just don't put them there. <laughs> and so if no one has units on capitals, it's really easy for one person to be like, oh, no one's going to be on capitals? All right. <laughs> I'm going to put mine on there. And oops, <laughs> did I just win? I guess I did. And so all the goals, I, I, we've designed the goals so that they all manip- like manipulate the player experience to a point where they want to do certain things, but it might be contrary to what might be good for them. And so it's been really interesting to see that sort of thing. All right. So yeah, that's, that's been really, really fun to design and see the the goals evolve over time. That's the biggest thing that's changed since the original design. Uh, the, the goals were not originally part of the game. It was, it was more just like I was designing for this experience of like, I love this idea of play card, reveal it. Yes. Got to do that. Like that was exciting. And then I was like, I need to diversify how the game plays out every time. And I added in these goals to make things interesting. And then Carla has stepped in and really helped develop those goals into a really solid experience. So we have some really cool experiences. Every game is going to be completely different based on which of the three goal cards are used. 
So I'm, I'm really excited to see the different combinations that people create and I, the stories that people are going to tell just like, okay, so we had this card in, in age one, this one in age two, this one in age three, it was nuts. <laughs> it's it's going to be really exciting to see what happens. Okay. So I thought of two things. First one is how many, what's the player count of the game? It's, uh, it will be one to six. Okay. Because I know you talked about a lot of players. And so I was trying to think, what does he mean by a lot of players? So the solo play will be interesting to see how that plays out mm-hmm. um, for that type of game. Yep. So we have uh, Carla's, Carla Cop is developing yep. that solo mode. And I've seen an original version of it. So I'm really excited to see what uh, people have will dig into it because I am not generally a solo gamer. I, I need, I, I like the, the social element. So missing yeah. that out is, uh, it's not exactly my thing, but like, I'm not particularly a good solo designer either for that reason. It's like, it's hard for me to, to design for a solo experience, but I can, I, I do it when I need to. Uh, but the way that she's done it has the, there's a robot. I'm going to call it the Leviathan because it uses two of the other player decks and a very unique draw system that lets uh, the the Leviathan decide what to do on their turn. And so it's all about like trying to maintain control of capitals and doing various things like that. So there's going to be some really neat things to fight off because nice. they, yeah, the Leviathan is not a nice thing. It's going to eat you a lot. <laughs> yeah. how, how come anytime there's a solo, solo part of a game, it's always an evil robot that's trying to take over everything. See, and- no, this is a Leviathan. It's not a robot. Oh, it's not. Okay. okay. Yeah. I thought See, you said, I thought it's kingdoms it. of the deep It's sea creatures. So yeah, that's true. That's true. Maybe it's an evil robot sea creature. <laughs> Haven't you ever heard of evil robot sea creatures? And I'm not a solo player either. So Kurt, Kurt, is familiar with evil robot sea creatures yes, yes. taking over his life. Yes. So. Yeah. When no one wants to play a game with me, then I just cry, <laughs> cry into my water and I play a game by myself. Cry into your water. Okay. Okay. Um, I mean, tears, they spice up water. There you go. They true. do. Yeah. They, they are the spice of life. Um, <laughs> or something. Did it you got have dark a, really fast. I, it did. It did. I don't know. I don't know. It's been a long day. Did you have a question or can I? No, you said you had two questions. I you did. only asked one. I know. I'm I, really on pins and needles. Tell me the second question. Does everybody want to know what my other question is? I will probably forget the <laughs> the thought of what I had, but um, it's it goes back a while. Originally, you had talked about a challenge. Yes. What do you mean? Like, so, was it just you in this challenge or was it you against other people in this challenge? Or... So the original idea was that it would be two designers pitted against each other, uh, designing with the same scope. So someone else, I forget who it was. I don't think it's actually been released, but both of us had the same set of mechanics, same set of themes, and we had to design based on that. And then there would be like a vote or something, but that was the whole idea. 75 minutes to design a game from start to finish and then go. Nice. So did somebody like run this challenge or somebody yeah, was, it was just like, uh, we're bored and we're bored and we're just going to have some people do this, <laughs> but not Tracy and Kurt because they would suck at it. Well, it, I know it got delayed a little bit. He, he got really caught up in his, um, it was David Abelson. It was running at uh, Fisher Heat and Games he he just had this idea for a cool podcast and then yeah uh, that's cool i don't I, know if it ended yeah. up becoming something but it 
my game became something. So I'm happy yeah. to participate. Yeah, that's really, really cool. I, I wanted to go back to that because I was like, what is he talking about? <laughs> like, tell us more about this. Mm-hmm. So so when so when the challenge was done and you were recorded or you were awarded the, the winner of it, was it something that, that you were like, okay, well, now I have something that's a viable project that I want to bring to Galactic Raptor? Or did they seek you out because they're like, they heard about it. I know that you're on, you're on the podcast. Uh, you're on your podcast, Breaking Into Board Games with Dan Lettering. <laughs> that is co-owner of Galactic or co-whatever of Galactic Raptor. So how did that shape out? Uh, so actually it, it came down to, uh, I was, where was I? I was in, I was in Georgia for a convention and then I went over, I, I just hitched a ride back to Carla's and uh Huntsville, Alabama uh, <laughs> afterwards. And we, I, I went to the space museum to do some meetings there for, for my job. And then we played my game that, uh, which was originally, what was it called? It was macrophage. That was what it was called originally because it was virus. And so like, Oh, it's an, like an eating virus. The macrophage became a shark, by the way, <laughs> it, <laughs> it makes a lot of sense actually. And so we played the game and she was like, Oh yeah. Do you, do, do you want to do it through us? I'm like, what? what? <laughs> I just wanted her opinion because she's a killer game designer. Yeah. And I, wanted, I wanted her opinion just for, to play it. Uh, so <laughs> I was, ah, it, it was just a surprise to just have like a quick little handshake. Like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. And then it, that's kind of how it came about. It, was, it wasn't anything like I was setting out to pitch it. I, I didn't feel like it was quite ready yet because I hadn't gotten the goals down right where I wanted it to be. Uh, I, again, I was just showing it to my designer friends who I respected a lot. And then Carla was like, yeah, let's, let's, let's do this. And then it ended up fitting pretty well in the animal kingdoms universe, not like as a spiritual successor. So it's, I, I think that was actually my idea originally. I was like, well, I mean, it could fit in the galactic, in, in, in galactic raptors, animal kingdoms universe, like as a spiritual successor. And Carla was like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah. Let's do that. Okay. And then like we had discussions about like, well, what do we do on, do we want to do animals again? I was like, well, we could do like sea creatures and then the macrophage could be a shark. (laughs) (laughs) And that was pretty much like, Oh yep. That's what it is. Okay, cool. (laughs) And then we, we went back and forth with like what, what the, um, what the game's title would be. And then we finally settled on kingdoms of the deep because it's evocative and sounds cool and you know, all that cool stuff. Yeah. Nice. Wow kind of just fell into your lap <laughs> yeah sort, that's sort of w- welcome to my life generally uh, welcome so, to your rolled out red carpet resume I, I mean like to be fair like when I got my current job I got in a day uh it was it was like I happened to know someone who needed work and then uh, knew someone who knew someone who needed work doing like trainer stuff and I fit the bill exactly what they needed. And so it was like the next day I had an interview and then I was hired. So it was, things tend to just drop in my lap. It takes a while, but like, I guess I was applying for jobs forever. Like I got furloughed in September and of 2020. And so like, I've been looking for work this entire time. And then finally, one of my friends was like, hey, this guy might have something. Um, wow. Yeah, <laughs> it was, it was amazing. It, it like just to have that drop in my lap like that. But I mean, like, it, it's really just the more that I get into the workforce, the more that I realize it's really who, you know, 
Uh, and when I say it's something that we constantly say on breaking into board games, like, well, how do we break into board games? Well, it's, you just got to get involved. Mm-hmm. You got to, you got to get to know people. You got to know what's going on in their lives. You got to care about them first. And then eventually like things will just start happening mm-hmm. <laughs> because they do. Because <laughs> if you're a good person, people want to work with you. <laughs> <laughs> and you want to just keep doing that so it's yeah it, it's it's been a it's been a ride for, for sure but i'm i'm really excited to have so many good people in my life that's awesome so what are we looking for when we when when you're pledging for this game what are what are we getting from kings of the deep so someone who is pledging for kingdoms of the deep will get a approximately one hour experience uh, that is infinitely replayable. Uh, I mean, with 25 cards uh, of goals. So that means that there's one, two, about what, eight cards, I think eight cards per age. And that, so eight to the power of three different games. And then you multiply the different layouts of the board that you can have. Yeah. It's literally infinite different possibilities of what what can happen Mm -hmm. and every time you play every time that i've played something new has happened that i've never seen before and it's just a small interaction that i did not expect and it forces you to think on your toes because someone might come up with a really cool strategy that you were not expecting based on what was going on on the scoring card and you're like whoa (laughs) this is weird but okay (laughs) and so like a big as i've seen some people say like oh why did what you don't have player powers yet I'm like no no there's enough going on if i if i threw in player powers people would be upset because there's just too much uh, that you have to pay attention to it's like oh yeah that my player power like you have so much to focus on on the board that like if we do get an expansion for this game that will be one of the first things that gets added there will be i player powers that are added in but for the base experience it's not needed it's like i I can tell you right now we i tried throwing them in and it just it made for a longer game because people were paying attention to their player power to their player board to their to the board itself it was it got a little bit overwhelming so Mm -hmm. the core experience is an hour long uh 45 minutes to an hour depending like 40 and that's pretty consistent over the number of players uh because the reset action triggers the end of the game the more people that you have the more likely that that turn order marker moves forward and so it actually scales the game really really well uh in a way that i wasn't truly expecting uh it it just it it was one of those things like i wonder if this would work wow this really works really well cool okay done (laughs) (laughs) and so it's it's been really interesting to see that that evolve but it's been very consistent between 45 minutes and an hour uh light area control it when i say area control that scares away some people it's it's not heavy area control it's more area manipulation because sometimes you just need to have units in a certain configuration on the board so like in a line of three hexes you need to have two units in each of those hexes and then you'll score four points great or it's just trying to play around with what area majority really means like area control it's just like i'm here now cool done (laughs) so it 
it's a very unique game in that I don't think that anyone has seen this kind of way of doing it before where I've, I've tried my best to marry as many different mechanics so that they feed off of one another. So that it creates some really cool interactions that people will not see from game to game. And you can try one strategy in one game and you can just blast things out of the water, but in the next game, it won't work. (laughs) (laughs) Like that's, that's been very consistent. Again, I've I've had people say like, "Wow, this this card is way overpowered." I don't know why more why more people weren't using it. And then they're like, "Okay, we're, I'm gonna do, let's play it again. I'm gonna do the same thing again." And then they're like, "But my card is unpowered now. <laughs> Can't do it again." I know it. it the strategies <laughs> are it it makes you think on your feet, and it is I, one of my favorite area control games. I, like, I'm kind of like it seems kind of self referential, but. <laughs> I will always play a game of this because every single time it's been something new because that's like with like any area control game that I've played, it's like, okay, well we need to do this. We need to do this. Okay. You got to take that over, but there's no really one place that you need to hold on to in this game. You, you, it, it's constantly in flux as to what you're trying to go for. And it creates these really cool situations. I've said this so many times right now, I'm going to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> So how much is it going for? It's $39. And okay. for a $5 add-on, you get 120 uh, animeeples, which are like all of the different creatures. So you get an, you'll get uh, 20, 20 narwhal. You'll get 20 crabs. You'll get uh, 20 seahorses. So you'll get one, uh, 20 of each of the animals that are in the game. That's nice. awesome. That's cheap too. That's very cool. Yeah, it's it's definitely uh, worth its value. I yeah, I mean sure. that again. Like I, I I'm a little biased in this, but like <laughs> the amount of entertainment that I've gotten out of this one game that I've designed, it has been definitely worth forty dollars yeah. easily. Well, <laughs> it, it makes sense because like if you don't like playing the game, then how do you expect anyone else to really like playing the game? That is true. You know, that is true. Well, yeah, and it, it sounds like value for playability to oh, be yeah. able to keep playing it over again and I have the same experience and um, be able to use that overpowered card that somebody had that one game that won't have it again. You'll have the card, but you need to... Yeah. It, it's up to the player to make it overpowered, which is mm-hmm. interesting. Like they, yeah. they need to try to make it overpowered and they need to figure out what works in that yeah. particular game. And it will be different. But it all depends on, I would imagine, who you're playing with. Yep. And even if you're playing with the same people, you may not have the same experience either. So, I mean, that says something for the the game. Also, like Kurt said, it also says something that you want to play it over and over again. Yes. As the creator <laughs> of the game. <laughs> because some people are like, here's the game I came up with. Okay, bye. Have fun. <laughs> I'm never going to play this game again. Yes, I I will always play my games. I'm I'm very excited to... I, I just want to hear people play these games and I want to hear <laughs> the stories that come out of it because that's, it's been a joy seeing yep. people play test. Uh, it, not, not in the past year, obviously, because, you know, the, yeah. the world, but... Uh, <laughs> 
in 2019 when it was in fully in full development swing <laughs> there were some really cool play tests that was that was yeah. so exciting to watch cool that's awesome very cool yeah what other questions on the kickstarter i i feel um, like i feel like we got everything unless well, you got something so we did the cost we did what it's about we did there's not much time left no i was gonna say it's like way it it's like right there i know i no one can see me <laughs> but i have like just a little tiny that's right little little the smidgen left that's right of time left for it to be and money for for it to be uh funded funded that's why, that's why we're doing this we're gonna help push it over the top right yes that would be right? great Heck, yeah <laughs> that's right so yeah so make sure you go to kickstarter right now make sure you look look up kingdoms of the deep by ian zhang make sure you help fund this awesome game and uh, yeah there's not much time but you can do it i know you can We've done it. We've done it before. We've helped people before. So I really like, I always like seeing these games in the world. So. Heck yeah. Thank you. Ian, so I was for trying to on. think of something clever. <laughs> I was staring she's at like, him. She's like, wow. Wait a minute. Hello. No, I'm here. Uh, I'm here. So if people want to find out more about you, about what you make and the different things that you're got your little paws into, how can they reach you? I, I am on Twitter pretty much all the time. I, I not during work hours because that's right. A thing. But um, <laughs> like, if you need to get a hold of me, I'm I am on Twitter and I'm very happy to answer any questions or whatnot. At Ian Zhang Design, that's the Twitter handle. I'm all I will be always game for a game talk. Nice. <laughs> Again, as you might have heard during this podcast, I like talking about games. <laughs> what just a little bit what <laughs> well that's awesome well yeah and you've got you've got some other games too you've got that what is that please fix the teleporter please, yep please fix the teleporter that is right. on gravitation.games website so again it's just gravitation.games it's the only game up there right now we have another one it. coming soon but uh, right now it's the only one <laughs> I, so, I looked at it there's also a, a print and play Yes, there's a free print and play. It, you it look at I'm impressing it, him. It, it, it's <laughs> half. It's half the game. Uh, just for uh, testing out, yep. you can play it solo. There's a solo speed run mode, which uh, is uh, sanctioned by Gravitation Games. Uh, right now, I'm the current r- world record holder at 28 point something seconds. So, yeah. Well, yeah. would it be good for like kids for like hand-eye coordination too and stuff? Oh like yes, that too. Yes, so, yeah. Yep. It was actually originally designed as a SpongeBob game. Nice. Yep. I put the SpongeBob on it because, you know, at the beginning of every SpongeBob episode, he scrambles up, comes back together, scrambles up, comes back together. Oh, yeah. I was like, that's a game. And then I made I made a game and then it worked. And then I just haven't looked back. (laughs) No, we saw we saw this one. And the first thing I thought was our son probably would be like "Ooh, competition <laughs> i'd play that <laughs> what's interesting though is that like even people who are self-proclaimed like i'm i don't like speed games they're like this one is isn't bad because <laughs> <This, laughs> yeah. it's 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 not overwhelming for people like we've designed it so that it's fairly straightforward but with enough cognitive load that you're like second guessing yourself as to where you need to put the pieces to match things up. It's, it's a four tile puzzle. Like that's all it is. Each tile is double-sided. That's the game. And yeah. so to see people like, wait, that's the left foot. 
crap. Yeah. Yeah. I love what I love watching people puzzle things out. It, it kind of makes me think of like Dr. Eureka too. kind of it's like, okay, did I have this, the right color balls in this file? And you're like the pressure of the time, you know, and just yeah. trying to see how everyone oh, responds to that. I can't drop these. <laughs> I need to make my potion. Yeah. Dr. Eureka like frustrated me so much <laughs> because I just couldn't get the stupid balls to like go yeah. into the other thing. Yeah. It gives me anxiety. And then right. these guys, these guys get done and I'm like, Wah! but I was almost done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and this one is, it's just like oh okay i only have to deal with four tiles yeah. oh i lost okay mm-hmm. no big deal yeah, exactly. it's not yeah. like ah, where did the balls go i don't know <laughs> yeah it's rolling way over there i know I, yeah everything stays on the table it's right there yeah the game's 15 bucks you can go order it right now it would be great to support the indie publishing industry yeah, Heck yeah. <laughs> that's right that's what we're all about here yes so again thank you ian for coming on and talking mm-hmm. to us much luck to your Kings of the Deep and everything else that you have coming up in, yeah, in 20, your designing. In 2021. Yes, exactly. Because that dumpster fire is finally over. Yes. Kind of. It's still like... It's still burning a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. We have to put out some it's of the smoldering. Flames. Yeah. Okay. We gotta, we gotta, anyway, thank you so much, Tracy and Kurt, for having me on. It's been a, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> no problem. This podcast is a proud member of the Legends of Tabletop Broadcast Network. For more gaming-related content, please visit www.legendsoftabletop.com.